Hi, friends, and welcome to All Things Relatable, a place where stories are shared. It's hard to put a value on a story because the lasting effects it can have are often priceless. An individual's story has the potential to impact our lives in tremendous ways. My hope for you in joining me today is that this episode resonates with you and that you leave enlightened, ignited, and inspired because it only takes one moment to spark a change and leave an everlasting effect. Hey friends, I'm so happy that you're here again for another incredible story. Today's episode is going to be a good one, but before I tell you about my next guest, I wanted to ask you a question. Do you believe in miracles? So I was thinking about the word miracle and I got curious about how it was defined. So here's what I found. A miracle is a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. So here's where my next guest, Carolee, comes in. She experienced an unexpected miracle in her life that came in such a surprising way. And it's because of that miracle that she's been given hope to continue to follow her dreams. Because even though she doesn't know the how, she still believes in the possibility. So you won't be surprised when I tell you Carolee's philosophy for life, which is also the name of her podcast, and of a song she wrote that's on her recently released album is Seeking Sunshine. Carolee, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Well, I can't wait to dive in and I want to go straight to it because I'm sure everybody is wanting to know. So can you tell us what beautiful miracle it was that you got to witness with your own ears with your son, Joshua? Oh, absolutely. Oh, this is my favorite story to tell. It lights me up so much. And I will say I've experienced a lot of miracles and there's just so much good. There's so much miraculous. And when we, we tend to look at our lives from this really limited perspective, when things are going wrong, we tend to feel really stuck. We tend to feel like this is all there is. I just can't get past this. You know, everything's going horribly wrong. And it's when we can open up our our perspective and see things from a wider lens that we can see what's really possible. And so as I look back on this story in my life, I'm just floored every time I think about it um, of like what's possible and how much amazing is out there. And so I will set the stage for you. Um, It's, it's a big stage. I should warn you. It's there's, there's a lot of context that goes into this. So it starts in 2018 Um, My husband and my three kiddos and I, we lived in San Antonio, Texas, and we lived uh, pretty close to my in-laws and they helped us out a lot. And at the time, my kids were about um, six, seven and three. And my three-year-old did not have a diagnosis yet, but my older two both had autism diagnoses. Eventually, my three-year-old would get his autism diagnosis. And today I've got three special needs kiddos and life's wild. Um, But at the time, my husband was disabled. And he, life was really tough. When we when we lived there, he has this genetic condition called familial episodic ataxia. And he would collapse from stress anytime emotional stress, physical stress, he would start shaking really bad, he would um, stutter, and his body would just give out on him and I would have to carry him to bed and he couldn't work and he couldn't do the dishes he couldn't vacuum and he couldn't do anything and it was a really really tough time and he was struggling with depression and anxiety and PTSD and he had chronic back pain and he was on tons of different medications and it was it was a really hard time but we finally had gotten all established with all of his medications and his doctors and we had gotten the kids into their therapies and we were constantly relying on my in-laws to help watch the kids while I I took my husband to the ER again for something else. And we got it into our heads. We felt really strongly all of a sudden that we needed to move to Utah to finish our degree because we had left, uh, we had gone to BYU. That's where we had met and got married and we'd left BYU without finishing our bachelor's degrees. And we were suddenly 10 years down the road into our marriage going, oh my gosh, we need to move back to Utah and finish our degrees. And 
this would be away from our family and away from all the established doctors and therapies and schools and everything. Um, and we had just been approved for SSI for disability. So we went from having zero income to having a little bit of income. And we were like, ah, how, how is, how is this going to work? This seems really crazy, but our entire, you know, relationship was really founded on this spiritual foundation. And so we really trusted God and we were like, oh, okay, this is what you, this is what you want for us. I guess we will take the leap. And so I knew that that was what God wanted for us. And so as I was praying, I was going, okay, yeah, but like, are we going to be okay? And I got this really clear answer of, it won't just be okay. It will be amazing. And so we trusted in that and we moved to Utah. And what followed was the hardest year of our marriage and of our lives, of our family. It was so hard. And what's funny is that was um, 2018, 2019. And then what followed after that was the pandemic. And we're going, oh, wait, pandemic? This is easy in comparison what we just went through this is what's supposed to be so hard oh wait staying home oh I can do that no one's dying <laughs> no I can handle this it's so easy so we moved to Utah and we okay we got here and my husband and I were both full-time college students uh which really not an easy thing to do after a decade away from college my husband couldn't walk like he was walking on a cane he couldn't get to his classes in time across campus. It was it was a difficult thing to go back to school after so long. Um, and then we had three kids at three different schools. We had our three-year-old in preschool. We had our two special needs kiddos at two different schools because the we had our daughter at a um, at a private um, little school that we thought would be really good for her, but then they wouldn't take our severely autistic seven-year-old Joshua because his behaviors were just too much for them to handle and so we had to find a special school to put him in and that was really a challenge but we finally found this really amazing school and there were actually only like three kids in his class and it was amazing that he we found this really great class and so ooh, I got to tell you about Joshua because Joshua is quite the character um Joshua is severely autistic and um is completely and utterly nonverbal. Like he didn't have a single uh, uh, uh that like meant anything. He would just kind of scream for what he wanted. And in all of the like therapies that we did in all the classes, they would tell me things like, "Oh, put stuff out of his reach so he can ask for what he wants." It never worked because he would just go get it. He would just go climb and go get what he wanted. This is my kid who wrecked our truck. This is my kid who set our fridge on fire. This is my kid who would run and open people's cars while they were driving. This is my kid who you could not take your eyes off of him for a single moment. Because all would break loose. Love this kid to death, but he was such a handful. Um, Joshua had struggled with a lot of things for a long time. One of those was... Um, um, he wouldn't eat and so he had been kind of chronically underweight for a long long time we had tried him on a prescription medication to help him gain weight and it turned out he was allergic to it and he had this awful reaction that was really scary um, but we couldn't get him to eat anything um, and as a result he wasn't he wasn't pooping in the potty because we couldn't get him to poop because he wasn't eating anything so we did have him he was pee potty trained but we couldn't get him to poop in the potty and it was this whole thing. And it was like, life was hard, right? It was, it was just really hard to be doing school full time, both of us, my husband and I, and then have three kids at three different schools. And it was this really difficult balancing act. And we had only been in Utah for a month when Joshua suddenly got really, really sick. And right about this time, I guess back up for one second um we've been actively praying as a family that joshua would be able to talk 
and we'd been doing this for probably a couple of years. And we, and when this is, we had our three-year-old and our, and our eight-year-old now Aurora praying every night that Joshua would be able to talk. And it reached a point right, right before he got sick. It reached a point where I couldn't take it anymore. And I actually like went live on Facebook and broke down in tears. And I was like, I can't do it anymore, guys. I give up. I can't hold out hope anymore that he's going to talk someday. I, I have to just accept that my son's never going to talk to me. He's never going to say, Mom. He's never going to be able to say, I love you. Because it is tearing my heart out. To pray for this day after day after day. He's never going to talk. I can't do this anymore. I can't. I can't keep hoping for this. And then the first, it was like the first Saturday of October. And I remember it so well. You know, there's there's a lot of um, our lives that we kind of blur out and we don't forget. But then there's those moments that stick in your head so well. And this is, this is one of those moments for me because he walked out of his bedroom that morning and I swear to you, the day before had been completely normal. Nothing was different the day before. Everything was completely the same. But he walked out of his bedroom and this is my kid who bounced off the walls. Couldn't look away from him because he would destroy something else. You know, we had to keep all the doors locked up because he could not let him outside because he'd run into the road. And he walked out of his room and he only had like underwear on. And I swear to you, he looked like he had lost half of his body weight overnight. And I, I remember asking the teachers because I was in such a state of shock. I was like, did I just miss this? Has he been losing weight and I just, just have been too busy with school and I just didn't notice? Am I such a bad mom that I just haven't been paying enough attention to my son? And his teachers were, they were like, no, no, that's not what he looked like yesterday, which, you know, was a little bit of a relief. And um, the first thought that came into my head was to compare him to um, the pictures I've seen of of people who survived like Auschwitz and concentration camps because you could see every bone. You could see all of his ribs. You could see his thigh gap. You could see these huge dark circles under his eyes. He looked like a skeleton when he walked out of his room. And it was horrific. And I was like, what happened? But then my like logical brain kicked in and it like overrode that panicked mommy brain that was like something is wrong, like the alarm blaring. And it overrode that. And it was like, he's just sick. He's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Nothing's wrong. It's fine. And that logical brain kicked in. And he walked into the living room and he curled up into a ball. And he, he puked a little bit. But he didn't really have any obvious, like, logical mom symptoms, right? Where it's like, this kid needs to go to the ER right now. Like, nothing really was like... This is a logical thing, right? <laughs> so, you know, they, they are bleeding, right? That's you take them to the ER. Or like, like there's, there was nothing that was like, this is it, right? It, it just seemed like, I guess this is a stomach bug. I guess. Like, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. Even with three kids who I swear have had everything. I've never seen anything like this. And so we watched him all weekend because this was like a Saturday morning. And he curled up in my lap and snuggled with me which he would never ever do he would never do that and it was what was really conflicting for me is it was so beautiful it was such a relief my kid who would never stop bouncing off the walls I didn't have to give him his medicine to tone him down to be just kind of vibrating and bouncing off the walls 
he snuggled with me, I could leave him for two seconds to go to the bathroom without worrying about things shattering and being destroyed and demolished. Like, oh my gosh, there was like peace in my house for like a couple days. Like it was like, what is happening here? Like, and there was such a sense of like mom guilt of like, how am I finding it relieving? How am I finding such a sense of relief that my kid is so sick right now? This probably isn't good. But also, this is lovely. <laughs> like, so weird, right? Anyway, so Monday comes around, and I'm like, yeah, he's really sick. So I took him to the pediatrician, and he was so weak that I had to carry him into the doctor's office from the car because he couldn't walk in on his own. And I took him in, and I'm like, something's really wrong here. And she wouldn't even look at him. She wouldn't, she wouldn't even look at him. He curled up on the floor of the doctor's office and she wouldn't even look at it. She was like, it's just a stomach bug. Go home. It's just a stomach bug. And I'm like, I've seen stomach bugs. This, this is not, like, I've, I've got three kids. Like, we've been through the mill. I do not take my kids to the doctor unless something's really wrong. And I'm telling you, this is not right. Something's really wrong here. She wouldn't even look at it. And she's going, you know, I guess we could do blood work, but he has autism. And it's really hard to get blood work from a kid with autism. And so I took him home. And she's going, oh, you know, just give it a few days. He'll come back. He'll be fine. Just give him a few more days. And if he's not fine in a few more days, then bring him back and we'll do blood work. So I took him home. And he laid in bed. And this is my kid who would not lay in bed ever. He slept on his floor in front of the door. He had a bed in his room. Wouldn't lay on it. Ever. And my husband and I were trading back and forth who was missing their college class. Right? Who's staying home with the sick kid and who's going to be in their college class. And so a couple days later, I was in class and my husband texted me a picture of Joshua laying in bed. And it's another one of those those moments that is seared into my brain. Because somehow he looked worse. The bags under his eyes were deeper and he looked more like a skeleton. And I took one look at that picture and I was like, no. Nope, I'm done. Uh, nope, I'm done watching my kid die in front of my eyes. That is a little boy who is dying. And I'm, and I'm done. Done, done, not doing this. I'm done. And so I took him to the ER and they knew immediately. They took one look at my son and they said, that kid's in DKA. We need to check his blood sugar right now. And I was like, what does that mean? And they said, uh, pretty sure your son has type 1 diabetes. And I was like, my kid's a skinny, underweight seven-year-old. How can my son have diabetes? What? <laughs> so for anybody who is not familiar with juvenile diabetes, also known as type 1 diabetes, um, it is when your pancreas just stops working. It has absolutely nothing to do with being overweight. It is an autoimmune condition that just hits. And it is completely different from type 2 diabetes. And I didn't know anything about it at the time. Essentially, what happens is when you your pancreas is not releasing the insulin that it is supposed to do when you eat, um, you're, you eat and the blood sugar goes, the sugar from your food goes into your bloodstream. It doesn't go to your cells. It doesn't feed your cells. It stays in your bloodstream. So then your cells don't get any of the nutrients they need. And your blood sugar just goes up and up and up and your cells starve to death. And so there's all these symptoms like drinking a whole bunch of water, which I thought was just an autism symptom. And then he was drinking a whole bunch of water. So then he was also peeing all the time, which just seemed logical to me. If you're drinking a whole bunch of water, of course, you're going to be peeing all the time. No, apparently he wasn't actually like absorbing any of the water 
it was just going right through him so he was also super dehydrated and like he was literally dying in front of our eyes and so they took one look at him they knew exactly what was wrong and then they said we have to check his blood to confirm it well it took like a huge team <laughs> they couldn't get any blood this was my kid who I had to carry in because he was so weak. I had to carry him in to the hospital, uh, to the ER. And it took, they couldn't get it with the first team of people. We're talking like five adult men had to hold him down because he's so strong, despite being like half dead in front of us, so strong that he's fighting off stone men to get one drop of blood from his finger i'm not talking an iv i'm talking a little teeny prick of blood from his finger <laughs> so they finally get a little drop of blood from his finger because that kid is a fighter such a fighter and that confirms it just like that and they sent us to a bigger er so that we could go um get him uh, insulin and they booked us into the hospital and he was there for three days and I was in such a state of shock because this was kind of like my worst nightmare I'm like you guys don't seem to understand what's happening here any moment now he's going to come back to life and he is going to burn this hospital to the ground he's going to change all your passwords on all your computers he's going to change the language to Japanese like you don't know what this kid is capable of like you just have no idea and the, the hospital was incredible uh this was a primary children's hospital in salt lake and they were amazing and they actually had um a nurse just come sit by our door all night long so that i could sleep because i was like any moment now he's gonna come back to life and, and every like 20 minutes or so they had to prick his finger or his toe to get another drop of blood to check his blood sugar but they didn't have a whole team of guys coming in they had me and that kid pulled chunks of my hair out that kid would punch me in the face my seven-year-old underweight kid who's dying in front of my eyes that kid was a fighter and thank goodness for that he uh he fought and he uh they put these big old things on his arms so he could have an iv in each arm giving him fluids because he was super dehydrated giving him lots of insulin and they they pulled me out um to teach me all the things that i would ever need to know about diabetes and about doing this and i'm going you don't understand he doesn't eat <laughs> you don't understand how am i supposed to do this he's not predictable you can't just be like okay now you have to eat healthy josh he doesn't he doesn't eat healthy he doesn't eat vegetables. He's not just going to be like, oh, yay, now I will eat whatever you want, mom. My kid's severely autistic. Like, how does this happen? And I'm in the hospital having this, like, mental breakdown of, like, thank you, God, for giving my severely autistic child, who's already in this life, with this horrific disability that means he will never have any sort of, like, real life. He's never going to get married. He's never going to, like really go to school and learn all the things like and now he's got type 1 diabetes how is this fair how is this any sort of okay and it was very much a moment where i needed perspective and i didn't have it it was very much a moment where i was in my in a little one lane and I remember that every time I ended back in that because now I know it's possible and so they taught me all the things and it was super overwhelming and he was in the hospital for about three days and we came home and he came home Friday afternoon and Monday he went back to school and he pooped in the potty first time in his life just like that because uh there's this thing when you're first diagnosed with type 1 diabetes called a honeymoon phase um because these kiddos have literally been starving oh and i guess i should mention 
or uh, this onset of type 1 diabetes can actually happen at any age to anybody. Like it can strike randomly to anybody at any age. They call it juvenile diabetes, but it can happen to anybody at any age, just so you know. Um, but these, when you get first diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, they're starving. Like literally they're physically starving to death. And so he my kiddo who wouldn't eat anything suddenly decided he was going to eat corn dogs. That was the only thing he would eat, but he was eating nine corn dogs a day. Wow. Nine corn dogs a day. So we were like taking stock in Costco corn dogs. <laughs> um, but he finally pooped in the potty for the first time in his entire life, which was like mind blowing because we had been through I mean, we were doing four hours a day of therapy after school, uh, like trying to get him to be potty trained and had failed for so long. And it was like, oh my gosh. And like within a month of his diagnosis, he could say all of his colors. So how did you feel the very first time that you heard him talk? Like, what was that even like? It was amazing. But it was a really kind of, it was almost a slow realization, if that makes sense. It wasn't something that just hit. And my, I don't really have like a, a great explanation. And isn't that what makes a miracle after all, right? Is like, there's not really an amazing explanation. But my my hunch is it has something to do with his gut and his digestion is that once he started eating, that that's kind of what made the difference. In, in his brain and in his gut health and something along those lines is what triggers his ability um, to start speaking and, and his speech. It wasn't like he went from zero to a hundred and he's not even at a hundred now. Although I will tell you that we are here four years later and he never shuts up and he talks all the time. <laughs> and I kind of have to remind myself on a daily basis that I'm so grateful for his voice because sometimes it gets on my nerves because he'll be in my face talking all the time um and he's really frequently asking me for things that he can't have like he wants to go see family that lives really far away all the time you know he wants he wants Christmas to be here right now and I'm like we're kind of a long ways from Christmas bud <laughs> like he wants to plan the Christmas party right now and I'm like it's we're not quite there yet. Like, let's plan Halloween, mom. And I'm like, ah, not. Well, he doesn't use that many words. He's still on like three and four word sentences. He's like Halloween costume. Uh, but um, his speech, it, it skyrocketed, you know, it just, it just exploded. And we had been through just years and years and years of intensive therapy with absolutely no progress. And then from that moment on it just like went through the roof and it's it's one of those things that when we were in that moment like we didn't really see it and when you're living in survival mode because I mean we were still full-time students my husband and I we still had three kids at three different schools and life was insane and when you're living in survival mode you don't always take a moment to appreciate what's really happening in your life and that's why it's so important to do that but looking back you see more miracles than you do when you're in it and sometimes that's a shame but sometimes it helps you to retrain your brain so you can see them more in the moment and so it's it's amazing to look back now and be like oh my gosh how can I use this entire experience to change the way that I look at my life now because it really has changed everything it's like what's possible that I thought was impossible you know what what does this mean for my life what does this change about what is what I can believe is out there for me and for my kids I mean I you know things that I thought were impossible before for him it's it's not you know mm-hmm yeah, how beautiful that this this miracle. And it's funny, like how you said that initially you're like just longing for his first words for him to say, mom, or I love you. 
And then when he's actually talking like this miracle happened, you're like, oh, okay, oh my gosh, because you're, but it's like sometimes the things we wish for when they arrive, then we really need to take perspective, like you say on that and think about like, this is yeah. what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I can't even imagine what the day-to-day was like for you, because it sounds like, you know, your one son just took like a full, full-time, like one-on-one attention all the time. So, and you said you have two others with special needs. You two were going through college. Your husband has some things that he was working through. So your podcast is seeking sunshine. Your philosophy and life is seeking sunshine. The song that you recently released on your album is seeking sunshine. So when did that shift kind of take place inside of you? And what does that mean to you? Like seeking sunshine? I love seeking sunshine is such a a life philosophy. And I don't know that there was ever like a one time, like automatic shift. It's more of like a gradual, like realization, maybe. Um, Seeking sunshine to me is it's looking for the positive when you're in the middle of the darkness. It's easy for us to see the darkness. I mean, that's what our brains gravitate towards, right? We're, that's from our from our ancient caveman days, right? That's what that's what our we're, our brains are hardwired to look for the dangers, to look for the things that are out to get us, because that's how we stay safe, right? That's how we run away from the tigers. But in in my song "Seeking Sunshine," like it's one of the lines is learn how to reframe, learn how to retrain your brain. And so that's what Seeking Sunshine is all about. It's about how can we continually seek? How can we look for that that sparkle, that glimmer of hope? How can we look for something positive and do it more and more and more and more often? Because the more that you do it, the more you're going to see it. And Mm -hmm. the more that you see it, the easier it will be to see and the more joy you will bring to your life. That's how you reframe. It's it's the reframing is about changing the perspective. It's about going, okay, here's a really difficult thing. How can I find something beautiful in it? And with Joshua's whole story, it's like depending on which snapshot you take of that story, it can be really, really sad and depressing, or it can be really beautiful depending on which angle you look at it from. And so our lives, you know, our lives are not this moment that we're looking at. Our lives are this huge ongoing story. And if we can, you know, open our perspective to be like, oh my gosh, there's this huge part of my story that I don't know yet. What else is possible for me? What else is coming as I overcome all of these things that are standing here before me? Like, instead of just looking at the dragon in my story and just only seeing this one moment, how about I look with anticipation and excitement over, you know, me standing there with a sword as I overcome and I triumph, you know, instead of just the the depressing sadness of this looks overwhelming and so hard. There's so much amazing power in shifting your perspective. And when we can do that, like we take back control of our lives in such a miraculous and incredible way. And that's where we see the miracles. That's where we see the beauty and the sunshine. And then again, the more you look for it, the more you'll see. Mm -hmm. Like I resonate with that so deeply. I've been practicing gratitude for like seven years. Every class that I have day one, you get a gratitude journal. We collect our gratitude and share every morning. We, and then I added like self-love to that. Cause I feel like that's the missing piece, uh, yes. gratitude and self-love. I was and- just talking about this last night because <laughs> I'm trying to teach my kids about this of like, it's so important to show gratitude for yourself, mm-hmm. like show gratitude for your hands and your legs and your body and your mind and all how amazing you are because we need to be grateful for ourselves too. And we forget that so often. 
Mm-hmm. And absolutely. Like it's so easy to give others compliments and like highlight and celebrate other people. And then sometimes we get like shy or like, oh, that's uncomfortable actually speaking about what we love about ourselves. So yeah, I feel like what you look for, you will find. And yeah, in that practice, it's like the obvious things, right? We start with the obvious things. And then I teach the children. And even I've like trained my brain this way. It's like, okay, well, the obvious things are easy, but then, you know, life is this roller coaster and it has its ups and downs. And we have to learn to enjoy the whole journey, even when things suck. So it's like, I don't know when it's raining instead of, Oh, it's raining. It's like, Oh, I don't have to water my, my lawn today. Let's go jump in puddles. Earthworms come after the rain or when we're at a train, it's like, Oh, okay. I'm actually going to get five minutes to myself that I hardly ever get or crank this really good song or listen to a podcast or, or whatever it is. But I, I really love how that is your philosophy of seeking sunshine and reframing because it really, really does matter. And it's really powerful. And it's very simple to, you know, shift your perspective to stop and consider where is the sunshine? What is it? Instead of just, like you said, having the dragon like sitting behind you or on your shoulder, because the dragon, we can quiet it down. It It's always there, but we don't have to focus on it. So I love that that's your, your take on, on life and yeah, that you are seeking the sunshine. So how do you keep focused on that when you've got so many other things that aren't, I don't know, I don't want to say the word like perfect, but where there's a lot going on and things can be overwhelming how do you seek the sunshine and find it in those moments? It's definitely a practice. It's it's definitely an ongoing practice. And it's, I hope that, you know, all of us are on this journey of like getting to know ourselves better and getting, becoming better humans. We're all on this journey of self-improvement, right? Um, and so it's constantly like, oh, I could have done that better today. And oh, here's an area that I've just realized is particularly like triggering for me and gets me out of that like sunshine place. Oh, maybe I should figure out why that particular thing is taking me away from that place that I really want to be. Because that place I want to be is in joy. I want to be in in alignment. I want to be in happiness. I want to feel that. And I know that I can, and maybe not everyone knows that. And it was really powerful for me to learn that. Like, I don't have to be in frustration. Frustration was kind of like my main attitude, my main state of being for so long. It just felt like life is frustrating. I am frustrated. That was just me all the time. Like nothing's ever going my way. Uh, Everything's in my way. And it was like, wait a minute, I can actually just choose to feel differently. And it has nothing to do with my kids, has nothing to do with anybody else around me, has to do with me. Because I'm the only one who is in charge of how I feel. I'm the only person who can make a difference in my own attitude and in my own state of being. Nobody else can do that for me. I have to choose that for myself. And learning that is such a powerful thing. And then once you learn that, you start to go, oh, here's a place where I'm not feeling that. Why? Let me investigate. Let me let me understand myself better and dig deep and dig up those demons and dig up those monsters and figure out why it is I'm giving up my peace for someone else here. Because I don't want to do that anymore. Because that sucks. Because it sure as heck isn't hurting them. It's only hurting me. And so as we, you know, go on this journey and we learn ourselves better, we learn how to improve. And the one I'm working on right now is I'm finding, oh, my kids, they get under my skin a lot. (laughs) And I have to really work on like 
how do I let myself stay at peace and stay in joy no matter what they are doing? Because frequently it's not what I want them to be doing. <laughs> and I have to just let that go and let them be their own people and live their own lives. Because right now, well, we have it's birthday week. So they're about to, my oldest is turning 13 and my youngest is turning nine. And then Joshua is 11 and he'll be 12 in a few months. So they're right at that age of like, I'm my own self. I am my own person and my own boss. And no longer is mom doing all the things for me. <laughs> And you reach that state in parenthood where you're like, man, I liked it when I got to clothe you and choose all of the things for you. And now I don't get to do that anymore. And I have to learn how to just let them be themselves because that's what's best for them. I can't, mm -hmm. I can't dictate that. And that's what's best for everybody is to let everybody be themselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So no, I love how you bring that up that, it, the, the circumstances on the outside, like that doesn't have to dictate your peace and, you know, practicing that and trying to, you know, sort through it is a journey. But when we can get to that place where we're not so triggered, um, or frustrated, like you were that it's like, can just like, let some of that go, then yeah, it's available that, that peaceful place. So I love that that's coming up for you that you're working to, to not be, you know, consumed by yeah. it all. Cause like you said, it's, they're not bothered. You know what I mean? It's like you. So, um, yeah, I love that. I just recently talked to someone who's a parenting coach and, uh, her podcast is actually coming out in tomorrow, tomorrow, it's Tuesday. Awesome. And what, what she said, um, because she had a few children who are neurodivergent and there was crazy tantrums every day, three times a day. And then she ended up going on this journey. But in the end, she realized she didn't need to change her kids. She just needed to change herself and heal herself and figure out, you know, all the things that were triggering her, like you said, so they can be themselves so I love how you, you bring that up because yeah, we all want it starts, to, it starts with us. Mm -hmm. It always starts with you first. <laughs> it never starts with changing your environment. It always starts with changing ourselves first. And that is a hard pill to swallow. And it takes a lot of maturity to be able to, to start with yourself first, but it's also the truth. And it's also the most empowering because it doesn't matter how much you try to change the world around you, you probably aren't going to be able to do it, especially if what you're trying to change is people. You might be able to change what your house looks like. You might be able to change some physical characteristics, but you can't change people. Not really. You can mm -hmm. only change you. That's where your true power lies, is in improving yourself. And so it, it takes maturity and it takes some humility, but it's also the most empowering Mm, absolutely. Okay. So you, from this miracle of your son who was nonverbal starting to talk and now he's like chatty Kathy talks all the time <laughs> that kind of inspired you or gave you this, um, this mindset that, that possibility, you don't know the how, but you're going to dare to dream because you know, it's possible. So I want to know what kind of dreams are, are you dreaming up these days? What's on your heart? What's, what are you putting out to the world where you don't know the how, but you're just, you know, it's possible. Yeah. So, um, I've always wanted to sing. I've always been a singer. I've been wanting to do that since I had my first solo at eight. I've been wanting to be a singer since forever. And, um, when I was in like middle school I was writing songs and then I had this thing where I put a, a YouTube video out and got some nasty comments and then I didn't write songs for like 20 years uh because it kind of completely destroyed me and then I pursued opera actually and I thought that that because I was kind of overweight and I thought that was the only stage I could ever be seen on that anyone would ever let me be on was the opera stage and so I studied opera for a like 20 years actually 
and I auditioned for the school of music in college and I didn't get in and then I got married and then I had kids and I did this whole thing and when we moved back to Utah and I um started college again I actually auditioned for the school of music again for the school of music for opera right at the same time that Joshua was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes I auditioned and I did not get in and I was completely devastated like I, I was auditioning going this is the reason right this is the reason for everything that's been going on for the last decade this is you know this is going to be what is going to make everything worth it I'm going to get to be on thing. and I didn't get in and I will tell you I got really close um they only let three or four people into this program every year. And I got through both rounds of auditions. And my, my coach was like, she's, she was like, Oh, they loved you. Like she's in the program and she was like, they just loved you. And then when I didn't get in, they actually reached out to me and they were like, don't give up. You should go to this program and this program at these schools. Don't give up with this. And I was just so just utterly destroyed. Like I couldn't sing for months because I could, couldn't sing without crying. Um, but actually, it was one of the best things that could have ever happened to me because I never wanted to do opera. <laughs> I only did opera because I thought that I wasn't good enough to do anything else. And I never could have done opera with three kids anyways. Like I never could have been on stage every night and been taking care of my kids. Um, I only, I only did opera because I didn't believe in myself. I never wanted to be up there singing somebody else's music every night. What I was always meant to do was to be writing my own. And so when I finally got over uh, not getting into the school of music, I finally was like, all right, it's, it's, I can't give it up because I had, I had spent the entirety of my motherhood career going, well, I'm a mom now. I can't be a singer, right? I obviously can't do music because I'm a mom. Like that's clearly impossible <laughs> for me to do. And so I had tried to like snuff that fire out because for me, singing is like, this flame in my soul and I was like nope can't do it put it out put it out put it out and I couldn't put it out so at this point after not getting school music I was like well obviously I can't put it out I've been trying it won't go out I can't get it to go out and so I pivoted and I went back to songwriting which was where I always belonged to begin with and I found this incredible coach who said something that just really was it for me and she said if you feel it in your heart then it was meant for you and I was like really really you mean this wasn't a mistake this passion that I feel for singing this wasn't this wasn't a mistake this was really something I meant to do uh, and it was just was everything for me and so I spent the next several years uh, especially after graduating college learning how to produce my own music and how to really write music because I've been studying singing for decades I can sing amazing I have a great voice <laughs> but like learning how to write music well and produce my own music and do the instrumentation for my music that took some learning like and for a long time I was like I don't need to learn anything I'll just wait for someone to discover me and then I finally was like it's time for me to discover myself it's time for me to give myself permission to do what I want to do. And so I finally did that. And um, my album, the release date is May 23rd. And it is my self-produced debut album. And it has the Seeking Sunshine song on it. And some also amazing other songs on it. Amazing. I just... All of that is like, like a mic drop. I don't even know where, where to hit on that. Like, thank goodness that you didn't get in to the opera. Thank goodness you, your flame, you know, that flame 
I think will always like be flickering inside of us that, you know, sometimes we try to put out because we tell ourselves all the reasons why we can't. So thank goodness that flame just wouldn't go out. And so many of like this, Okay, all all of the songs on my album like it's all about everything you know from what we've talked about like there's a song called evergreen that's about being a mom and how i will always be there for joshua like i will i'm i'm evergreen like i don't there's no seasons to motherhood for me it is it is going to be there forever and there's this song called wait which is about not giving up and you never know what's going to happen next and Maybe it doesn't have to look the way they said it did and don't give up just yet. Wait. And there's just, there's all these songs that are about this entire journey. And it's like all of this that I've been through, I didn't write this album and do all this stuff in spite of it. Like it all was part of it. It all built into it. It all made my album the emotional roller coaster, which is funny because there's a song on it called Roller Coaster. Uh, it all made it what it is. You know, it's not in spite of my journey that I have this amazing album. Like, that journey is my album. And my Mm -hmm. album is what it is today because of all of the crazy ups and downs and miracles that I've experienced. And so I'm grateful for my crazy journey because those, that inspiration, that's what, that's what brought the album to life. Wow. Yeah. How absolutely beautiful. And like your instructor said, I have a quote on my wall that says your, your heart's the most powerful muscle in your body. Do what it says. It is the most powerful, um, muscle. So you've got this album when this episode comes out May 30th, it'll be out seven days so tell everybody where they can find this beautiful piece of work that encapsulates your journey yeah so it's called seeking sunshine and it is out everywhere it's on it's on spotify it's on apple music it's on everywhere it's on youtube it's on all the places that you love to listen to music. Um, my name is Carolee Garrison, which is hard to spell, but it's K-A-R-A-L-E-I-G-H. Um, and it is Carolee Garrison because there is actually another artist named Carolee spelled just like that. So you have to make sure it's Carolee and Garrison. But Seeking Sunshine, you could bring it up really easily. Amazing. Okay. Yeah, I think everybody listening in can definitely relate in some way to your story, like this journey that you've been on, that you've been able to, you know, shift your perspective. Even when things were hard, you muddled your way through and you're at this place and there is so much sunshine out there. So I think everybody should go check out your podcast, download the album and uh, check into everything that you're doing because you're definitely an inspiration. And I feel like a lot of us need to, you know, shift the switch, shift the dial and seek the sunshine. Because like you said before, some people don't realize that that's available. So if you're listening in right now and you're thinking, oh crap, I didn't even realize that this was a possibility or, or maybe you do seek the sunshine, but you're in a rut or, you know, maybe it'll just inspire you to to seek more of it, definitely go and check all that out because it will definitely inspire you to, to do so. So thank you so much for sharing your miracle. And I am just so excited to hear what other miracles transpire as your journey unfolds. That was a really, really beautiful story you shared with us. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of All Things Relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.